Let's Doing episode 123. Ari talks with Todd Herman of The Peak Athlete. Welcome to the Less Doing podcast. Less Doing or Living or Living. Hi, I'm Ari Mizell, and this is The Art of Less Doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Hey, it's Ari Mizell. Welcome to the Less Doing, More Living podcast. Nine years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, a little-known, extremely painful, and seemingly incurable disease, which forced me to go down a long road of radical transformation so that I could reduce stress and win back a normal life for me and my family. While extremely painful, Crohn's was the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to innovate and create the less doing, more living system, which I used to govern my life. Then I was given the gift of starting to teach this system to other people. And over time, I was able to help more and more people through a video course, this podcast, and the Less Doing, More Living book. Now I have the privilege of working with some of the world's top business minds, including Dean Jackson, Joe Polish, Dave Asprey, and Jordan Harbinger, who have all decided to join me for the first annual Less Doing Live Summit that I'm holding in New York City from May 1st through 3rd. To get more information on the Less Doing Live Summit, you can go to the URL lessdoinglive.com. Or you can also find links to the event on our main site, lessdoing.com. Now, enjoy today's podcast. And if you listen to the end of the show, I am going to give you more information on this event, as well as a way you can earn a free copy of my book, Less Doing, More Living. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 123 with Todd Herman of The Peak Athletes. How you doing, Felix? Hey, pretty good, man. How are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you. Uh, so Todd is a, is a personal friend and he, he just, he works with some of the most incredible like athletes, a lot of Olympians, basically it's all about the mental game with him. And he's just produced some unbelievable results with some really, really world-class athletes. So I, I was so psyched to have this interview with him. So you're going to love this. Um, okay. So there are a bunch of links that I want to talk about today and it's just, I guess, one of those kinds of weeks. So, first yeah. of all, there is this is a basic one, but I, I like it. It's called Legacy Box, and it's seventy five. I think it's just yeah, seventy five bucks. Starts seventy five dollars, and basically, you get a box, and you can put whatever you can fit in the box that you want to have archived. So, it could be uh, something that's in eight millimeter video, old Polaroids, old cassette tapes negatives, um, re I mean, reel to reel, like pretty much anything, fill up the box and send it off. And they basically will send you back a, a DVD with everything a couple weeks later. A DVD. What do you mean? So they'll digitize everything. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so it's any uh, sort of visual content or any sort of oh, any archival oh. content, basically. Oh, wow. Oh, that's yeah, so clever. What I like about this. Yeah. And it goes up to like, so for, for $500, you can do, 20 tapes or 20 films or 20 sets of 25 pictures each or mix and match sort of anything there. So where I like this is for like my parents, for instance, or, you know, somebody of that generation yeah. where they just have a bunch of stuff and it's just like, just stick it all in a box, send it off and you're done. Yeah. Right. Really, really good way to get rid of a lot of the clutter that might be in so your digitized photos. So everything. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Really, really cool. And then I mean, they couldn't make it easier. So if you can, can they, fit it in the they, box, basically. You... They'll send back a DVD. Can they can they put it onto some other format? I'm sure they can. Yeah, I, I, th okay. I think so. I mean, once it's digital, you know, why? Right, they might as well be able. Well, to. I guess yeah. You could just you can just put it on multiple DVDs and copy it on your hard drive. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Exactly. Cool. Um, I'm going to yeah. add that to my favorite. Yeah, favorite. Uh, less doing links. I like that. Awesome. Uh, okay, so the next one is a uh, a pre order campaign by a company called Ergo Driven. It's called the Topo, or the Topo, rather, would be more appropriate. So first of all, before I tell you what this is, I, I love that there's like this whole economy now around supporting people standing at their desks or at their workspaces, which is just great. Um, yeah. So this is a, a mat that you're supposed to stand on 
at your standing desk. And it, it's really cool. It's got some textures to it. It's got a bump in the middle. It's got a couple different ridges. The corners are just, so it, it's like, it's got shapes to it, like a, like a topographic Mac basically. And the idea is, is, and, and even the most hardcore standing desk people will tell you that, I mean, they should tell you that you're really not supposed to be standing for eight hours straight either. That's not the point. You're really supposed to be moving around and obviously standing up encourages that one sitting, but you really mm-hmm. want to be changing positions like almost constantly to, you know, not to a distracting point, but you don't want to be standing in one place for the whole time. So what this does is it basically gives you all these different positions to stand in. It's really cool. Oh, that's very, yeah. I like, you that. know, so maybe you take your right heel and you put it on the back edge and then you're sort of on an incline on one foot or you take your, your both feet and put them at the front and then you're, you're in a, uh, a inflection point so it's like stretching out your calves a little bit or you just sort of move around on the middle you know like so this this basically gives your feet something to play with and keep moving yeah that's really clever really it's it's a a really good idea the the kind of obviously the shoes you're and then it doesn't like force you to wear a particular kind of shoes and um you know, the, the, obviously the surface that you're standing on is, uh, makes a great deal of difference when you're standing up. So, yeah. And this is cushioned. So that would make yeah, that a little easier, I would think. Really, really good idea. Um, so there was an article in silent science daily. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to go too deep into the research on this because it, it almost is self-explanatory, I feel like, but the, the study basically said that an avocado a day may help keep bad cholesterol at bay. <laughs> so, you know, oh, yeah. we heard an apple a day keeps a doctor away. Well, an avocado a day can keep your bad cholesterol down. And I, I, I mean, hey, this is great. A day, that's quite a lot, isn't it? No? Well, some avocado basically a day. Okay. You know, you don't have to, although, I mean, I probably do eat an entire avocado every day, I'd have to say. Okay. Um, I put guacamole on everything. Like, I love, <laughs> love, love guacamole. And the thing is, is it just fills me up more. It, up, it ups the fat content. I put it on eggs. I put it on uh, sandwiches. Usually, like, instead of mayonnaise or mustard or something, I usually put avocado or um, guacamole. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I really, really love guacamole. I love avocado, and uh, it's very, very good food. It's a very good source of good fats. Interestingly enough, this really weird thing, but have, do you know anybody or have you ever met somebody who's allergic to latex, like latex gloves? I was in a – I was getting some medical treatment done in the UK, and once I was in a room and the person having the same treatment had a latex allergy. Yeah, um, yeah. And it sounded really bad. It's and, a big deal. Yeah. Um, so that's my interesting story on that. I have well, no, one, so it, one it, is it, the answer. The short answer well, so it's, is it's fascinating because people who have a latex allergy, it's it's weird because they're usually severe. Like you don't, a lot of people don't have like a minor latex allergy. Usually, if you're allergic to latex, you get like anaphylactic shock. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, latex is a natural plant, and there's certain proteins in it that can cause this allergy, and Oddly enough, there's some cross-reactivity. So some people who are allergic to latex will also find that they're allergic to avocado and kiwi. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. So just random thing. Anyway, um, oh. but this is – so if you are not allergic to avocados, then this Actually, is my sister, really- my sister is allergic to avocados, but I don't think she's allergic to kiwis. Huh. huh. And, or is she, and she's not allergic to latex. No, she's not. No. Yeah. So it's not. It's not like an always or an all or nothing. But it is one of the things that can be a uh, cross cross reactivity issue. Oh, so wow. Okay. Kind of random. Um, okay. So that's it's a good, really good study, and I do recommend people eat more avocados. Okay. So th- this is really badass. It's called the Cookie. It's a robotic automated cooking system, and it's on Indiegogo. Now it's not. It didn't get funded, um, unfortunately, but I think that this is actually a pretty good idea. So, did you did you get a chance to look at this? No, I confess I didn't get a chance to look at any of the notes. Um, well, that's okay. For no, again, I know we had like a little technical issue with Evernote. So, basically, what this is is a little. It looks like a, like a Cuisinart, you know, that you would mm-hmm. for baking. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it and now. yeah, yeah. So. It will cook a fresh meal for you. And, but what's interesting, what they're doing is they're basically offering these packs of fresh ingredients. So you can get, you know, the carrots and the onions and the meat or whatever it is. And then you put these, these things in there and you tell it what you want to make and when you want it and it will cook it for you. And 
you know, obviously like I like to cook, my wife likes to cook, you and your wife like to cook. So this, we're not necessarily a target market for this, but I do think this is actually pretty cool. Well, I'm not sure that it's, I, I, I don't know. Sure. We like to cook, but what we're, what it is we really like is we just like to eat good yeah, food and fresh true. fruit, but I'm quite happy to have a machine do it for me if it'll do a good job. So, um, well, it's pretty neat. So you see it has like the they, trays of food. The, I mean, are they selling the food directly or is that? Yes, or, they're selling the food directly. Right, However, so it's like one of those things like they're probably turning people funding this off by making it feel, making it seem like, you know, people are going to be turned, customers would be turned off because they're making money like in cartridges. Is that right? Right, right. Exactly. However, from, from the way it looks, it, it, it seems like as long as you're willing to do the prep, then yeah. it, it can cook with anything. Cause it, right. like, for instance, okay. I'm looking at, oh, okay, so, great. well, look, I mean like three of the trays that I'm seeing right here, there's chopped carrots, uh, chopped, looks like kale and green peppers. So I, right. I, I can't imagine why you couldn't do that yourself, put it yeah, in and sure. you know, when you want it and makes it. So you end up becoming really, really good at prep work. <laughs> it does look really cool. I mean, the bottom, the, at the end of the day, it's just a matter of time before this sort of thing becomes, um, you know, it does get funded. commonplace. Does get yeah. funded? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I mean, this how is... fun would it be to sit and watch it do that? I know. Talk about entertaining your kids. You know, like, oh look, our little automatic chef is making dinner tonight. That would be fun. You, you'd it? end up wasting your time uh, instead of saving the time <laughs> on having somebody cook for you. You're just sitting there watching it. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, this is a really basic one. It's called opener. Um, very, very, very simple idea. Uh, it's OPE.NR and all it does is you, you basically put a link in yeah. and and then you you can add a message to it. So what happens is somebody goes to the, you send somebody this link and when they Wait, open you put the a link, link in where? Into the app? Uh, what in the it? website. In the website. In the website, okay. Yeah, and then you send it on to somebody and basically when they open it, they're going to see the link but in the bottom there's going to be a little pop-up with a call to action. So there's obviously, there's like a business application here. You can be like, oh, you know, if you like this link, you should check out lessdoing.com or something like that. But mm -hmm. what I like about this also oh, that's is just, just as I like sharing this information with people on the podcast and these kind of links that we see, sometimes you need to give people a little bit of context. Yeah. So it would be really cool to like, you know, put a link in here about a study and be like, oh, by the way, like I actually, you know, this was an avocado that I ate this morning, you know, or something. But like, yeah. give it, give it some sort of information as a pop up, so it personalizes it in a way. I just uh, think it's really okay. cool. Very, very simple idea. Yeah. So, That's great. I like it. Yeah. Um, okay, so there was an article on on um, <laughs> on Lifehacker about how Amazon convinces you that it has the lowest prices on everything. Now, I, I clearly currently have a very, very uh, ingrained love-hate relationship with Amazon. You know, so on the one hand, I hate Amazon because of all the crap that I had to deal with with my account. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do love Amazon because of all the services that they do provide, and one of which I've talked about, which is Amazon Prime Now, which gets you things delivered in Manhattan within an hour. But uh, – Within an it is, hour? Yeah. Oh, I didn't tell you about this. I thought we talked. No. Oh, I talked about this with one of our guest co-hosts. Yeah. So Amazon uh. Prime Now is an app that they just released about three weeks ago, I think, and it's only in Manhattan. And basically, you can get not anything, but I think they have like twenty five thousand items. And you can get them delivered within an hour, and um, wow. it's pretty cool. It's really really cool. And um, have you have you used it? Much? Oh yeah, I've used it a bunch. It, and they don't. It's not. It, so if you wanted. If you want it in an hour, it's like seven dollars yeah. and ninety nine cents. If you want it within two hours, it's free delivery. No way. Yeah. So, uh, how literally, much, I mean, they must be making something on the the markup. There must be a markup there. No? Well, they're probably just using it right now. I would. I oh, they're just trying to get market using, share. Yeah, probably. Oh, okay. They're trying to beat like you know Instacart or. Um, Postmates or things like that, but for non-perishables, it's like I, you literally don't have to make a shopping list anymore unless it's something that's you know fresh or produce, whatever. But like if it's like the other day, we, literally, uh, Anna takes uh, krill oil every morning, uh, as I've recommended, and she woke up the other day and her bottle of krill oil was empty. So I literally pulled it up and I was like, krill oil. And they had it. And an hour later we had a bottle of krill oil and it was still like in time to take it. Well, like, breakfast. When she got out of the shower, she had a bottle of krill. Oil. Yeah. Yeah. And they deliver it usually like in a brown bag. Like it's, and it's like, a, it's a messenger that delivers. It's really, 
It's pretty amazing. Wow. Anyway, all that to say, I have this love-hate relationship with Amazon. So one of the things, though, that I did discover, which you confirmed when I was sort of off Amazon for a month because of all that BS, um, mm-hmm. you can get things a lot cheaper, not on Amazon many times. So what they were saying in this article was that Amazon may not actually be the lowest price seller of a particular product in any mm-hmm. given season, but it's consistently low prices on the highest viewed and best selling items drive a perception among consumers that Amazon has the best prices overall, even better than Walmart. So basically what they're saying is that, you know, if you want to get, I'm trying to think what's something that's really popular right now. Like if you want to get some toy, like a, uh, like a like a, a Lego toy, for instance, that's super popular right now. You're probably okay. going to find that cheaper on Amazon, and cheap, like way cheaper on Amazon. But then you're going to you know add like the shampoo to your cart and the uh, the pencils and the the paper and whatever to your cart, and those things are not actually going to be lower priced, and you could find them somewhere else. But because that really like visible best selling item is lower priced, then you have this perception that everything is lower priced. Oh. yeah. So the uh, there's a service called Meet, or it's called Chloe. Yeah, what's and, all this about? I was just trying to look at that. Yeah, so I really dug into this over the weekend, um, and I'm, I'm I'm very very impressed. So this is one of the many services out there that sort of not claims, but they market themselves as being artificial intelligence driven, but it's actually really a person doing it, or you know, at least for now, um, or at least okay. in the beginning to sort of get. Yeah, an idea of like what their consumer base is. Okay. So basically what this is, is it's like a, a better Siri mm-hmm. in a way. Okay. So you text and you get results, uh, you know, whatever you want. So I, my very first you send text, a text to them, you said this is all text based. Okay. So my very first text to Chloe, which I uh, was, you know, I, I like to test this stuff, so I always try to come up with something. So basically, what I, I did was, and and you probably know this, Felix. My wife Anna is impossible to get gifts for. It's very very difficult to get her a gift because yes. she's just very specific. Yes. Okay. So I basically texted Chloe and I said, "I'd like to get my wife a gift. Uh, she's really into Scandinavian like design, you know, like white and birch kind of stuff, which is true." And that's all I said. Yeah. So the first response. So my first request was recommending something called Scandi Crush, like S-K-A-N-D, so like Scandinavian Crush. Scandi Crush, which is a monthly subscription box that they send you Scandinavian design items. Oh, no way. And I'd never heard of it. And I was like, okay, this looks really cool to me, but let me show Anna. And I showed her and she was like, that's awesome. I want that. So uh, I was shocked. Yeah. So that was impressive. The next request that I made was I asked, I said, I'm, I'm, I work at 48 wall street and I need to meet somebody for business lunch and uh, you know, something, something cool, but nothing like fast food and something healthy. And she recommended something called the chopping block, which I'm going to today. And that was also a good revision. And there's, there's two more. So I, I said, uh, I'm going to have, I'm going to dinner with friends near the, at the Waldorf Astoria. This was last Friday. And uh, I'd like some place to go for drinks beforehand. Something that's, you know, kind of cool. So she recommended the Campbell apartment. And if anybody in New York has, or if, if you're visiting New York or you, or you live in New York, you probably don't even know about this place. And I actually have been, and it was an excellent recommendation. Um, the Campbell apartment is in Grand Central Station and it was an apartment for, okay. I'm not, I'm not sure who Campbell was, but it, it was someone related to Vanderbilt. So it was this apartment and they turned it into a bar. So like nobody knows about this. It's up a couple flights of stairs. Like you have to know where it is. But it's gorgeous. Like it's it's got twenty foot ceilings, and the bar is. I mean, like it's just beautiful, and really? it's very kind of old school. Yeah, it's a, it's one of the the hidden gems in the city. So that was her recommendation. And then the final one is yesterday because I was trying to like move this around. So yesterday I uh, it was raining, and I said, you know, I've got a three year old and two two year olds, and it's raining. Like, what what do you think we should do? And she wrote back and recommended the Brooklyn Children's Museum. And what I like is that she was like, it's great because the Upper West Side location can be too crowded. So it's like, it's not just sort of like, they're they're not just like yelping stuff and like sending you recommendations. This was like a personal tip. Okay. So uh, it's obviously a person or people, but it's pretty good right now. So whether you live in New York or you're visiting New York, 
it's a really interesting re- recommendation engine right now for things. And even if you don't actually, because I, as I said, I got that gift recommendation. So uh, really, really cool. And, and really, how really much cool is idea. It? Right now, it's free. It's just a free service. Just a free service. I'm imagining wow. that the, you know they'll have a premium service at some point. They don't do tasks oh, okay. or anything, uh, and there is a wait list. But if you, oh, okay. uh, so, I, I was on a wait list. What? And it's, and it's it's an app, or how does it work? How do we no, it's just that? text based. Just text based. Okay. Well, I can't wait to check that out because that actually leads me to my to a question I have about for you. Yeah. Um, and that is, um, so I'm 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 using Fancy Hands. I'm using it a lot, and but I have. Uh, I think my membership is, at the moment is $65 a month or my subscription rather. And I have a lot of unused tasks and I'm interested in downgrading to the account. Do you know, obviously I could just text fancy hands and ask them. Um, but I was looking at downgrading my account, but, um, do you know if I'm going to lose the rollover tasks? That yes, I've you will. Got? Oh, you will. Oh, well, they, know how, yeah. they know how to price these things. Um, yeah, yeah, because the the level below, they've I've sort of been grandfathered. They don't sell the plan that I have, which is like tons. Yeah, of so tasks I'd be very. For, I, I think about that very carefully before you make the decision. I just want to tell you because so I I am grandfathered into a ninety five dollar a month unlimited plan, which has not existed in a couple of years now, yeah, and right. I will never cancel that. You know because. It's unlimited, you, but yeah. um, so you know, be careful because they do grandfather you, which is great, but they can change plans. However, if you're really sure you want to switch or change, mm-hmm. I would recommend you check out Persist, which is we just I just interviewed the founder of that, and he's going to be in an upcoming episode. But Persist okay. with two S's, uh, they have a very different pricing model and some really interesting features. So, for instance, they have a their their cheapest plan is twenty six dollars a month, and it gives you two hours per month, but right. that's not. Yeah, so that's not, a, you know, like most other on-demand services, including Fancy Hands, give you a certain number of tasks, and a task is 20 minutes. And the annoying thing about that is, of course, if you have something that takes more than 20 minutes, then you're using more tasks. And if you have something that takes two minutes, it still counts as a 20-minute task, whereas yes, this is giving you a certain number of hours. You see, here's the thing. is I really like Fancy Hands, and I, and I do recommend it to people. Um, and, I you know, I recommend it to the listeners of this show. Um but I do find that it is varying level, varying degrees of of quality of the tasks. Um, you know, sometimes I'm blown away by the by how a good you know how well they perform a task, and other times I'm frustrated and shocked, and they didn't they just didn't read the question that I very carefully thought about how to phrase so that it's very obvious and they immediately jump to the conclusion of what they think I'm going to be asking um, anyway that's so yeah so I did want to ask you um, what other services so I'll, I'll look at persist as well that does sound um, that sounds great and are they based in the US or New York they're in New York okay cool yeah yeah. Okay. So that would that would be my my uh, thought on that. Okay. Um, yeah. So another uh, Indiegogo campaign is the Cubic, and this is this is really cool. So the Cubic is a artificial intelligence engine of some sort. Basically, you have a it's like a box that stays at home, mm-hmm. and then you can also have uh, you can, can you can access it from your iPhone or wherever you are. But it, it, this looks about as close to like a Star Trek computer as possible. So it basically like it can control a lot of your devices at home. So it can control your Nest. It can control music. It can do a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it can control your TV and, and, you know, it can do food delivery, social media, uh, email. It recognizes your voice from 25 feet away. Wait, wait, what do you, you mean it can do food delivery? Oh, you can say order me a pizza or something. Don't yeah, you? yeah. And it will do that, or you, you know, you, yeah, <laughs> uh, you can basically you can be like, um, you know, I, I tweet this message, or uh, they'll read your email, and you can respond to email. The, the video is very well done, and if it's, I mean, it's pretty amazing. So it like interacts with Evernote, IFTTT, Gmail, uh, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, the Nest, the the, the uh, Bedit, 
your Fitbit. So like apparently it can be proactive and say like that you didn't walk enough today. So maybe you want to go lighter on your, like, for instance, like you could say how many calories I burned today. It'll tell you. And then based on that, it can decide like, oh, maybe I should order something different tonight or mm. Seems like it's pretty advanced. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that does. So, now, it looks a bit. It looks similar to what the product Amazon, I think, have released as well. But yeah. this seems to be that. That seems to be. Um, you're talking about the Echo. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So the, with the Echo, I think that's more like Siri in person. You know, it's more about providing information. I don't think yes. it actually gives you the control per se. Yeah. Right. Where this one, you can actually take over the world, or at least your Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then it can take over your world for you. So, yeah. Um, anyway, pretty pretty cool. Yeah, and this cool. one is def- this one looks like it's going to get funded. It's got ninety six thousand dollars out of one hundred thousand. It's got two weeks left. So, yeah, get your cubic. <laughs> Are you getting your cubic? <laughs> is the real question. <laughs> um, I haven't decided yet. Honestly, I have not yeah. decided yet. Right. Because the truth is, actually, I have, a, I have a lot of that stuff automated already. Anyway, like I, you know, the yeah. Nest and all that. I mean, I have IFTTT channels, and so it's all about these things. They're all about how good the voice recognition is, right? I mean, obviously, one day it's going to be there, but especially people with accents like myself living in the states and they're expecting an American accent, stuff like that. Like, and I find that. Siri only works reliably when I'm on a Wi-Fi, a decent Wi-Fi connection. Otherwise, if or it probably would do over LTE as well, which is 4G over here in the States. Um, but anything else, if I try and do it, it's just embarrassing. You know, I do it and, you know, and then my wife looks at me and says, huh, told you so, <laughs> you know. And uh, so... This at least does, you know, this is supposed to be at home, so where you're you're not going to set this up if you don't have a good Wi-Fi connection. But um, it's all about how good the voice recognition is, I find. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I'll, not only that, well, and it's the same idea, but also sort of how natural you can speak to it, you know? Yes, like, yes. I, that's one of my issues with Siri is that you, you really can't just say whatever you want. You sort of have to know the phrases that you can use. Well, and- there's a there's a good article on um, on CNET explaining exactly how to use Siri. Actually, a good little video tutorial. And actually, my top tip for it, which most people do not realize, is that if you're going to ask Siri a question, you hold down the button when you're talking press and hold the button and release it when you're done because if you press that button and wait for it you're going to run run into all sorts of problems so i could say i hold down the button here what time is it and i release it's 11 19 a.m good morning yeah so but if you press the button and then you're it will most likely cut you off halfway through the um you're you asking the question that especially happens if you're doing like a text message you know right that's very important so i hope the listeners get something out of that one Uh, okay now i have a i have a couple of uh links to to yeah okay well the first thing is not a link first thing is i have um I've got a new microphone here, and I think anyone doing a podcast should know about this one. Um, the industry standard microphone for dynamic microphone for voice recording is the Shure SM58 or SM57, but that tends to be more for instruments. But essentially, they're exactly the same microphone, just with different uh, caps on them. Um, I really cheaped out and looked on Monoprice, which is monoprice.com, which I highly recommend. Um, they're very good quality products at very low prices. The Shure SM58 is 100 bucks basically, and has been for a long time. And this one, uh, a lot of people on the Monoprice site reviewed and said um, so that they compared it to the SM58, and they thought that it was compares really, really favorably. In some cases, superior. And this is just $15. So I ordered it. Can't really go wrong with that. And um, I'm going to mute my Ari's microphone right now. And you can see, you can hear just what it sounds like. Um, 
now I'm going to be doing a podcast, or not a podcast, I'm going to be a talk, doing a talk at Ari's Less Doing Live event in May. And uh, I'll be talking all about this, all because microphone choices are crucial to podcasts. Um, so this is a good way of listening to exactly what it sounds like. Anyway, um, so that's the microphone, which I'm very excited about. And the other thing is there are some... I saw this humidifier, um, which I think I might check out, actually, because we don't have... I don't have a humidifier in my room, but this one, um, it's called the... Actually, I'm not sure what it's called. There are two. There's the Aero Swiss. And the other one, you have to look in the show notes. Actually, let's have a quick look. Anyway, what you do, it's a little device. It goes onto, it goes into any water bottle and turns it into a humidifier, which I think is pretty cool. So, you, you know, if you're like in an office and you have AC... And you're always getting, you know, a dry nose and all of the other symptoms that come with too dry an environment. You could just put this on your desk and it will, you know, give you your own little personalized humidifying station. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, which is which is great because it, it makes a real and, and difference. And plug into a USB port for power. How cool is that? You know. That is really great, yeah, yeah, because then you could actually use it in a plane if you wanted to. There's so many environments that are just so drying, and having a humidifier actually doesn't make plane. That's season. genius. I didn't think Oh, my God. That. Are you kidding? Yeah, it would be incredible on a plane. Wow. Yeah, you could just plug straight into the socket, you know, like they have in, um, well, on most planes, I guess, these days. Um, or yeah. in your own laptop, but yeah, it it's um, yeah, or your own makes a big difference. Exactly. We have yeah. we have four humidifiers in our apartment. Well, at least that way, it wouldn't drain your battery. Is what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Good find. All right. So um, I want to mention uh, one other thing, which is actually kind of amusing. I wasn't sure I was going to bring this up, but there is a guy who posted a course on Udemy called "How to Optimize, Automate, and Outsource Everything in Your Life." Uh, and and it's, it's not you. It is not me. It is a absolute blatant, terrible ripoff of less doing content. And uh, the the funniest thing is that he actually says, "I'm going to teach you the art of less doing," which is, I mean, shocking. Um, the guy is. Uh, it's on Udemy, and the course has gotten a bunch of students, which I imagine he did for free. And there's even a review where somebody said, "I took Ari Mizell's course, and this is a this is a nice supplement." So. On the one hand, I was like, wow, well, I guess it's helping some people. But on the other hand, it's it's such a – not only is it a knockoff of the content, but it's actually not a good knockoff. So uh, if you have taken that course, I want everyone to know that that is not mine. And I'm in the process of having Udemy take that down. But uh, somebody – very, I'm very grateful, but uh, a supporter of mine tweeted the guy and was basically like, this is like a word-for-word bite-off. And he was like, oh, haha, like, uh, w- what's the course link? I'd love to check it out. It's so, it's like so obvious. Uh, the, so the, the person wrote back to him and said, um, uh, well, why don't you actually just, you, here it is, and why don't you actually just change your logo to this one to, to really complete the picture? <laughs> so, uh, anyway. I guess some people just have no shame. I, mean, I uh, guess not. Uh, but the funniest thing about it to me was that I posted in the Udemy faculty Facebook group about it. And somebody else in the group was like, yeah, and there's content in that course that he stole from me as well. So this guy stole from mo- mostly me, but also this other instructor and created uh, this one course from it. Oh I don't goodness. know. I just don't know how people think. So that is not less doing, more living, if you ask me. That is just downright. Wait, wait, who is this guy? Oh, yeah. Not, oh, it, looks, it looks like a good course. I'm just looking at it. Yeah, yeah I might sign up for it. Why check it out? Um, he's British, Felix, so... I'm sorry, man. We got to, <laughs> we, you've got to do something about this very well, soon. Yeah. Yes. So, so we're on yeah. top of that. But if you have yeah. checked it out, I, I hope you enjoyed it, but you might want to ask for a refund. So anyway, good luck to him uh, with uh, figuring something else out. And thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. We will see you next time. Enjoy the interview. And now for feature interview. So now I'm speaking with Todd Herman, who is the founder of The Peak Group. And we're going to talk about sports, entrepreneurs, mindset. And I, I have to talk to you about root beer, actually. So, uh, <laughs> Todd, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. 
Absolutely happy to be here. So before I get to the important stuff, or maybe this is the important stuff, I, I wasn't going to say this because I usually don't bring up these quirky things, but I've seen you mention root beer in like every profile and everything I've seen on you. <laughs> so what's with root beer? Um, well, root beer is near and dear to my heart, but uh, it's just a funny little quirky thing, I guess, about myself. And it's, I guess it's a, it's a nice way to share the kind of odd things about yourself. But uh, back when I was about 20 years old, I was doing a, a I'm from Canada, Western Canada originally, live here in New York City, but um, I was doing a cross-Canada trip with a good friend of mine, and uh, and we were coming back through the States as well. So it was, a, it was a long trip, and we decided to kind of add a little bit of fun to it. We would Every time we'd stop to get at a gas station, we would always get a new brand of root beer, and then we would keep track of it, uh, of which ones we liked. We had four different categories um, that we would rate it on. And so throughout the trip, we've, you know, I found my favorite root beer and, um, ever since then, every time I try a new root beer, I go back to this little notebook that's now 18 years old and I, and I rate it. And, um, it was, I was on a plane once going from New York to Chicago and the editor of men's health magazine was sitting next to me and he asked, we were talking about just places that we've traveled to. And, um, I had mentioned this story and he's like, geez, would you write a article for men's health? It's, it's a really kind of general interest, weird story. Um, I never ever did get around to, to, um, uh, to writing it, but that kind of clicked off my head. I'm like, you know what? I guess this root beer thing resonates with some people. So, and every time I do a speech with the exception of just a couple of times, almost every single time people will give me a gift of root beer. Oh, that's awesome. So <laughs> I actually, I actually love root beer. So I'm going to, so then two questions on root beer. What makes a good root beer? Um, well, I think there has to be, well, the vanilla content, um, I think the design of the bottle even helps in some ways. Uh, the quality of the ingredients always helps. I mean, the more you can get to like, you know, pure sugar cane and, uh, things like that, uh, helps out as well. So, I mean, Boylan's root beer is a great root beer. Thorpe's is a great root beer. Um, so yeah, those, that's kind of my categories. Are those, are are those your favorites or do you, what's your favorite? Uh, Thorpe's root beer is my favorite. I still have yet to find one that beats it. Other ones come super close, like Boylan's root beer, which is one out here in the, the East is a fantastic root beer as well. Okay, nice. All right. There you go. People yeah, thank have no idea they were coming to this to get root beer. <laughs> right, exactly. So um, <laughs> if you're into root beer or if you're not, check it out because root beer is awesome. So uh, Todd, okay, so you, you basically have two companies and you help professional athletes, but you also help entrepreneurs. And yes. But you're working on mindset for the most part, right? Their mental game. Exactly. So yes. how, how did, first of all, how did you get into that game? How did you get to be able to do that? Um, I didn't, didn't go into it with like some sort of business plan. I was, uh, I played college football and I was a nationally ranked badminton player back in uh, Canada as well. And the mental side of my game was always a strong suit because of a coach pulling me aside when I was younger and giving me a, a book on really actually leadership because I sucked. And, um, I was a horrible, I was not a very coachable athlete and he knew what my goals were. And he said, geez, if you want to make this happen for yourself, you're going to have to be a heck of a lot better because you're absolutely annoying to deal with. <laughs> and at least he didn't leave me in that spot. He gave me a book and that book sort of just set me down this rabbit hole of really kind of understanding how really your mental game and your attitude and, and whatnot really does impact. Cause we don't get really taught that when we're in, in school. And so I developed this really good system for getting into the flow state or zone, which is what most athletes are trying to you know get to. And I could get there consistently all of the time. So when I got out of you know playing at the university level, I was volunteering coaching at a high school and I would spend more time talking to the kids about the six inches between their ears. And a good friend of mine in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, Eric Morissette, is one of the top hockey trainers in the world and he runs a big hockey academy and he brought me in to talk to the kids about just this mental stuff. Now, this isn't a business. This is just, I love talking. I loved talking about it. And I had a good system. And that speech led to people asking me to do some mentorship with their kids. And I decided, you know, I'm going to commit to this for three months and see if there's actually a need here in the marketplace. And, uh, the one thing I knew as my, one of my core skills was I'm, uh, I've always spoken, like I've always done a lot of speeches. And so I said, you know, I'm going to do as many speeches in the next 90 days as I can. And I did 68 speeches in 90 days around my province. And I pretty much never had to market since. And that was 18 years ago. Wow. Okay. So, and just like anything, when you're talking in front of a group of people, 
people are always filtering your message through their experience. And so the people in the crowd, there'd be some, you know, obviously athletes, young athletes, but then their parents would be there in there too, or be in there too. And those parents are dealing with whatever they're dealing with in their jobs or their, you know, businesses that they might have. And many times on the entrepreneurs or even executives would come to me and say, geez, I love your message. And we're dealing with something very similar inside of my company. So that's how the two actually separated. One, I was still always talking to athletes, but then I would start doing consulting and and workshops and uh, talking to entrepreneurs and governments and uh, so on from there. So what do you think is, or what do you find in your work is most often a a sort of a mental hurdle or what's usually the stumbling block for people if there is a common one? Uh, one of the most common ones is uh, worrying about the judgment of others, worrying what other people are thinking about them. So how that manifests itself then on the field of play is people playing it too safe because they don't want to take, maybe if it's a basketball player, they don't want to take the final shot because maybe they don't view themselves as the superstar on their team. Um, and because of this ladder of ascension they've created in their own heads, they'll pass the ball off because heaven forbid, I take the shot and I don't make it. And then he comes and starts yelling at me or ostracizes me or the coach says, you know what, you're not my on the starting team anymore. And, and so fear of judgment and criticism is a real, is a real, real big one. And it's the same thing in entrepreneurship as well. Why people don't start things. It's because many times, and there's a lot of reasons many times, but if there's a, a couple umbrella ones that hang over all the others, fear of being judged by other people is a really big one. And so, and the great thing about it is you can get past all that. And there's a core strategy that I've really developed. And that's kind of what got me a really big name in the, uh, the professional ranks uh, and sort of my name kind of proliferated from there. And what do you see as sort of a difference in working with professional? <laughs> this is almost like a rhetorical question, I feel like, but a difference when you're working with professional athletes versus entrepreneurs or high-level uh, executives. Well, professional athletes, there is a there is always a defined structure to things. When I step on the court, there are sidelines, there's out of bounds, there's a field of play. Whereas and, and so on that field of play, there's rules and there's structure. And, you know, when I'm playing my game, my mom isn't going to call me on my cell phone. A, I don't have my cell phone with me anyway. Or my parents aren't going to talk to me from the stands. I mean, there's still, a, sadly, there's still some parents that do try to talk to you even when you're in the professional ranks from the sense. But there's, you know, there's a set of rules that we're not going to interrupt that person when they're playing. So there's a field of play. Whereas in business, people really blend this line between business and personal life and what it does is it creates a whole host of distraction issues for people. It creates a whole host of overwhelm for people. You know, if people would learn to actually maybe draw a little chalk line around their business life and operate completely differently inside of it, you become a different avatar, become a different person when they're, when they're working as opposed to their personal life. And that's really the, that's one of the things that, I became become known for is helping athletes create alter egos to help them with their performance. And, and you can take that same principle and work with a business professional on it as well. Because even in business, just like I said, in athletics, there is this fear of judgment. There is this fear of criticism. There is this, you know what, am I really worth it? Or, you know, I've never been really good at this and someone else is always better. So I'll always defer to that person. Well, that doesn't really help you when you're trying to achieve goals. Right. right. Absolutely. That makes sense. Um, so you're for sort of a work-life separation or you're, you're actually, you're talking about more like a mental level about you like being in a work mode versus a, a non-work mode. Totally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a work mode and a non-work mode for sure. And that, that still lets people remain authentic though. Uh, absolutely. And well, I mean, what's authentic? Right. I mean, well, then, yeah. So. I don't even know what that is. I mean, there's, that's a really big buzzword for people and I don't even know what that is. I mean, I've worked with, and I know you have as well. I've worked with some extraordinarily high performing people. I mean, there's uh, a few billionaires on the list. There's royal families. There's high level rank, high ranking government officials and entrepreneurs at all levels. And what, I don't know what authentic is because by the very nature of being a human being from our birth, people start adding descriptions and layers to who we are. And by the time we're 13, 14 years old, when we actually have cognitive reasoning skills, uh, we've been given a personality that sometimes 
maybe isn't kind of who we were, but we're described in a way. And so we take on that personality. So I, I mean, authenticity is, it's a, if you want to get into the authenticity coaching business, um, <laughs> you know, my, my hat tip to you because it's an extremely, you know, ambiguous thing. Yeah, no, I, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so what, I mean, do you like sports just on a personal level, by the way? Oh, I absolutely. I love it. I love okay. it. Okay. So is yeah. it, and this may seem like a silly question, but when you're coaching different athletes, in different sports, you, do you really need to know anything about the sport or, or, or on a strategic level really to do what you do on a strategic level? I don't, Right. but on a tactical level, it helps to have, I mean, there's this meta model that I have when I think of sports in general, there's, uh, there are fundamental principles that weave through every single sport. But then it really helps, obviously, if I'm talking to someone who is a, um, you know, if they're in English riding equestrian, it helps that I know some of the fundamentals of their sport. I don't need to go really deep. And in fact, that would be a real hindrance to what it is that I do, because I'm not coming in to tell you how to be more skilled at your sport necessarily, like how to do the thing. But I am coming in to help you sort of subtract, delete, and remove the essentially the crap in your head that really shouldn't be there. I'm a subtractive guy. I'm not an additive person. Right. Okay. So that's really, uh, that's interesting to put it that way. You're, you're basically helping people kind of get out of their own way, right? Oh, totally. I mean, and that's, that's a, that's a f- common phrase that I would use. Exactly. So, and, and okay. So knowing the tactical aspect of the sport, fine, but also what about dealing with people you just said like an english person writing a question there, yeah. there are certain cultural things that i'm sure you have to deal with with uh especially with those feelings of like being worried about what other people are thinking or uh, i'm thinking about some asian cultures and others where th- this is going to be a big thing where uh you don't want to be too boastful or you know what I'm, I'm talking about like that that has to play into it as well yeah but there's there is there there are certain rules that you cannot avoid when you get into sport. The, by, by the very act of saying that you're going to go play sport, you are now going to have to adopt a certain set of rules that if they defy what your core personality is, like if you're not a boastful person, boastful people, you don't need to be boastful to play, after, to play, play sports. But if you're, I've seen this many, many times. I've seen people who are really fundamentally extremely nice people. Like they're just... I mean, they're sweethearts of people, but they cannot be a sweetheart on the field of play because by very nature, a sweetheart of a person, a really nice person usually is highly empathic. They're, so they're empathetic. They are able to kind of jump into other people's feelings really easily. And when you're playing sports, if you're clobbering someone out of the gate, if you're playing uh, squash and you're up 10-1 and 11 is the finishing point, I have seen people give up 10 points in a row and ultimately 11 points because you got to win by two to lose the game because they feel really badly about beating someone that bad. So there is, a, you have to adopt a killer instinct, which gets to this whole idea of crafting alter egos, being someone different, removing whatever the fundamental core is of your normal personality, your walking everyday personality, that would be a hindrance to your performance and you are no longer that thing anymore. You know, that is not a part of your on the field personality. And when people make that shift for themselves, it transforms their performance. And that's why you can do this with people. And I mean, I've had many times where, you know, because I do, I, I mentor young athletes as well. I mean, that's how I got my start. And so I still devote a portion of my time to, to helping young athletes. I've seen, and I've heard from, there's so many voicemails I've gotten from parents saying, I had no idea what you told them or what you talked about on the phone or on Skype when you were talking to them. But he looks like a different kid or she looks like a completely different performer on the field of play. So what, what is like, what does a pep talk look like coming from you? Um, I would say many times my coaching style is like being thrown into a washing machine. <laughs> You're going to get beat up a little bit, but okay. it's, it's there for a purpose and it's there to clean you up. Um, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I do, I do have like, I'm, I may have, uh, a softer coddling hand sometimes, but at the end of the day, when you're coming to me with your goals, and if you say that you want to go and achieve something where the only people who really make it to that level have to be committed, then you you better bring your A game because these are your goals; they're not my goals. 
Now, when I start working with someone one-on-one, they become my goals. And so I become highly attached to them as well. So yeah, I'm not really a big motivation person. Motivation is a you thing. It's not a me thing. So pep talk for me would be a lot more questions. I want to elicit the motivation from you. I don't want to give you motivation. Can you give me a question? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, this is, it's an easy one. It's wh- why are you doing this? And I would continue to ask that. Here's what I found is that over the course of asking people why questions and acting like that two-year-old, if you ask people enough, because the surface why that you tell me is usually a very extrinsic thing for most people, unless they're you know, tapped into kind of knowing themselves, they'll, they'll say, well, well, because I want to well, I I win the medal or I want to win the race. Okay, but why? Why do you want that? What's that going to give you? Well, because, and if you keep on asking that, you'll, it's just like kind of digging a well. Yeah. Finally, you hit that gusher and it's, and I've seen this happen so many times. You hit that with someone and it's like this, their body relaxes in the moment and they go, ah, oh. like they finally found that natural source of motivation power. And then it doesn't become ever a question of forcing myself to do anything. There's a personal power that's inside of someone. They're, they're attached to it now. Yeah, but they just haven't had someone you just sit with them and ask them that question. Yeah, and that's more. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense with what you said about being a, a detractor rather than an ad, or a, a subtractor rather than an adder. Yeah. Uh, so, in, in terms of goal setting, I want to ask about that a little bit. What do you? Because a lot of people have sort of different opinions on how far out and how you know micro goals, really far goals. Like generally speaking, how especially with athletes, I guess, what are you looking at in terms of goals? Like ninety day goals, month, one month goals, like tomorrow. Like what's that usually end up being? Yeah. So we. 90 days is the horizon line to the mind. 90 days is about as far as the mind can go conceptually to actually feel really motivated naturally to achieve a goal. And that's because when you think about it, you know, so if if today's January 1st, 30 days from now is going to be March 31st or April 1st, you know, depending. Um, And so you go, depending on the goal that you've written down, it has to be a tangible thing. It has to be First, we start with what's the physical thing that we're trying. We have to be able to hold something in our hand to know that we've completed it in some way. Um, and when you think, man, like three months from now, if that, if I had that thing or if I achieved that thing, that would be phenomenal or that would be amazing or man, would that ever change the kind of direction of my you know, business if we're talking in the context of business or context of my life. And then we go back from there and we work it back. I refuse to allow people to set six month goals. I refuse to set, allow people to set a year goals because they're just too ambiguous. Mm, there is yeah. just, there are just too many steps along the way for you to clearly define how you're going to get there. Now we can set a long-term vision. We definitely want that. Like I have this vision of where I'm trying to get to, but that isn't a goal. A vision is something very, very different than a goal. Goals are the tangible, hard fact things that we're working on that are going to make it inevitable that we reach that vision. But three months is the maximum amount of time because it in that three month window it does have a it creates a sense of urgency a b it has a natural motivation factor that falls out of it and then what we do is we work it back we work it back we work it back um, and and then what I like to do because and you're familiar with this too human beings have a fantastic way of staying on course with goals when they have feedback loops that are closed frequently yes that's true. And, and, and so if we wait too long to have a loop closed, we allow distraction, we allow overwhelm, we allow a lack of quote unquote focus to creep in. And so I like to set then up a two week feedback loop. What's the next two weeks? What's the, what's the micro goal that's going to help me get to that 90 day goal that will, you know, help that achievement along the way. Plus I get these little wins. We stack wins on top of themselves. They become poker chips. The person who's got the most poker chips sitting in front of them at the table is always going to play bigger, is always going to feel, oh, you know what? I lost 10 chips. Who cares? They're not so attached to it. People who have one or two, of course, they're going to play small. They have very few wins. And if you just translate those poker chips into kind of what we're talking about, which is confidence. When you have a ton of confidence sitting in front of you, you know, the fact that Todd comes up to you or some person comes up to you and says, you know what? You're not going to do this. You know, who do you think you are? And internally, you're just you're deleting that person's opinion because you know 
I've got this internal source of confidence. Hmm. Yeah, that's and that, that's that's great. I really like the idea of separating a vision from a goal. That's that's yeah. a really good way to put it. Uh, so, are there particular kinds of executives or athletes that you, I mean? I'm sure you get excited about them all, but are there particular ones that really really excite you now? Now, um, yeah, like I I love helping people who've got something going for themselves already, and. You know, so that usually is the type of person that's been in their business for two years or, you know, actually time isn't the factor. It's really just they have something going for themselves. And I like helping them take that and scaling it up because by very nature, usually how an average entrepreneur gets into business is they have a core set of skills and they're trying to take their insights that they have over their experiences and they're going to create a solution to solve a problem for people in the marketplace. Now you're bringing your core set of skills. So you start that off and you start to get traction, you start to get some results and you're, you've got money coming in and your business is growing. But then at some point in time, that core set of skills that got you into your business hits a ceiling and you no longer have the complete capacity to take the business where you really wanted to go without the help of a lot of other people or changing your mindset on something, or shifting your perspective, changing a paradigm or something like that. So I love coming in and loosening those screws that people have on that ceiling, you know, and whether that's by becoming a better leader so that you can bring great quality people into your business, or whether that's, you know, having a better thinking model that you're operating from. I mean, those are the people that, because you can, just this past year, I helped a, a business owner take his business from, uh, I think it was 8.2 million last year to their, he'll break 50 million uh, by the end of December. And it wasn't because he, he wasn't, he wasn't doing any more work. He was already going to work hard. It was just working so much smarter and strategic. Well, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the, the last question that I always like to ask on the podcast and, and you can interpret this however you like, but what are your top three pieces of advice for people who want to be more effective? Okay. Uh, reflect back. Reflect back and know what are the behaviors or what, what isn't working for me? What, what didn't work for me in the last three months, six months, the last year? What did I not like about this last time period? What are the behaviors? Know your behaviors. What are the behaviors? that are, What are the things that I'm doing that are causing that to happen? Because without any of that reflective um, data, you start making decisions that are based on the want of something and yet you're going to have friction based on how you're doing things already in your life. So reflect back. Hey, what are those things that I may be doing that are not causing the results? So we start, we look back, then we have to go to today. Where am I at today? Most people do a fantastic job at lying to themselves about where they actually are. Human beings have a great ability to completely overestimate how good they are at something, or conversely, they're great at underestimating how good they are at something too, which is, the, which is why having a great coach or a great mentor or really quality friends around you who are you know, great at giving you just the, the bare facts is, is really helpful. So where are you at today? So if I'm saying that I want to grow to a $10 million business and I'm at a thousand dollars a month in revenue. You've skipped over a lot of steps. That's there. Let's let's. Why don't we shoot for a ninety-day goal of getting to four thousand dollars a month? Uh, so start with the reality where you are, where you're at, and then the third thing is set. Get really good at setting up ninety-day sprints, ninety-day themes, ninety-day goals for yourself. And if you, if a person just worked that three-part system, constantly reflect back every, every 90 days, reflect back in your last 90 days, what worked, what didn't work, what would I like to change? Hey, and what would I like to change about myself? Where am I at today? And where do I want to go in the next 90 days? Those are, those are excellent tips. And so Todd, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Where can people find out more about you? Yeah, people can go to uh, thepeakathlete.com. I really don't have that big of a web presence because my, my consultants <laughs> are pretty boutique and, and whatnot. But I mean, people can always reach me through thepeakathlete.com. Awesome. Well, anybody who's interested in where champions are made should check out thepeakathlete.com. And Todd is uh, 
really been an awesome guest. So thank you so much, Todd, and uh, talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, Ari. Hey, it's Ari again. Thanks for listening to today's show. As I promised at the beginning of the show, I am going to tell you more about the Less Doing Live event in New York City from May 1st through 3rd. Then I will tell you how you can earn a free copy of the Less Doing More Living book. Less Doing Live is an event I am putting on with Business Research Group in New York City. We have designed this event to give you and a small group of Less Doing fanatics a personal, quality experience. We are limiting this event to 150 participants in Manhattan to make sure that I get a chance to meet and hang out with every one of you. Now here's why this event is different. You see, most business conferences are just a series of speeches on a stage where smart speakers get up and give you tons of great information. In fact, it's usually so much that you don't know what to do with it all. But at Less Doing, our community is all about taking action. So I have designed this event to make you take action. But at Less Doing, our community is all about taking action. So I have designed this event to make sure you do take action. Because the only way to make big changes in your life is to invest in yourself. And that's not only an investment of your money, because you can always earn more of that, but rather an investment of your time, which is something so precious because you can never get it back. So at this event, we're not just going to talk. On the first morning, Dave Asprey and I are going to share with you the latest cutting-edge tips on how to hack your productivity and biohack your body. But then that afternoon, it's going to get really exciting when we break down into small groups and get you into workshops to solve your biggest problems in productivity. What are the workshops going to be? They'll be designed to help you tackle the fundamental problems that stop 99% of the world from realizing their full potential. Getting your email down to inbox zero and mastering your communications with the world? Or a scheduling class where you can learn how to automate your schedule to the point where you will have a calendar working for you? Or an outsourcing class where you can learn how to get rid of 95% of the things that you shouldn't be doing on a daily basis? We're also going to have a biohacking class that's going to include nutrition and help you master your body and your life. Which one of these classes should you attend? Well, that's where my Less Doing Certified Coaches come in. Before we even let you get to the event, you have to speak to one of our coaches so that we can talk to you and see if the event is right for you. That way we can make sure that we truly help you. So to get to the event, you just need to enter your email and then register to speak to one of our Less Doing Certified Coaches in a free 45-minute coaching call where you will learn the one area of your life that you need the most help with and will get the most impact out of. Now, as a special gift to you for joining this free coaching call, I want to recognize your commitment to your productivity by giving you a free copy of the book, Less Doing, More Living. Thanks for listening.